0: Welcome to Con Langery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. Uh to one side of me is Bianca Mangum. Hello. Soon to be moving over to the UK. And to another side of me is William Annis. Hello. Who is the smart one? (laughs) And is in uh in Wisconsin.
1: (laughs) The older, wiser one.
0: That's right. The only smart person in Wisconsin is me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think so.
0: Uh, no. Mr. Verb is in Wisconsin. He's pretty smart.
1: Yeah. Who?
0: Oh, you need to go to what is it? Mrverb.blogspot.com. Oh. Wow.
2: Just Google Mr. Verb.
0: Yeah, just 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 Google Mr. Verb and you'll find his blog. He's
1: This he's, isn't um, like the Mr. Men. With, like, squiggly arms.
0: (laughs) I don't know. He does a blog about language stuff.
1: Okay. Yes, I'm just being ridiculous. Okay.
0: All right. Our topic today is something that William brought up to us, and I'm going to let you... Explain it, Will, because, <laughs> like, I know what you're talking about, but I, I'm sure I don't understand it as well as you do. It's non-configurationality. Tell us That's... a definition. Sure. So,
2: a lot of languages that we're, so this is, again, a typology question. We have languages that have fairly fixed word orders. Subject, verb, object, SOV, VOS, all of this that that we know and love as language inventors. (coughs) But another possibility is for word order not to matter at all for that sort of syntax, so that the verb, the subject, and the object can appear anywhere else in the sentence that you want to go, because you have some other way of making clear what's going on. We can't really do this too much in English, because the dog bit the man and the man bit the dog, describe quite different states of affairs, and that's because we have a configurational syntax. In ancient Greek, you could shuffle that up in all sorts of ways, and it would still convey the same state of affairs. It would just change um, the emphasis and the focus. So once you've freed up your word order and no longer have to use it to describe who's doing what to whom, what can you do? with that freedom. And so there's different things, and we can talk about them today. And as always with these, there's a spectrum. You might have a language that is extremely free always, all of the time, um, but then in other languages you might find that there's a lot of freedom, except the noun phrase itself is very rigid, or usually what happens is dependent clauses are the place where languages tend to be most conservative. So you might have great freedom in a top-level clause and a greatly restricted word order in a subclause. So, a big range here. My favorite is languages that aren't just non-configurational, but radically non-configurational. And that's something like ancient Greek or some of the languages of central Australia, where even your noun phrases can be Ripped apart and sprinkled throughout the sentence. (laughs) And again, what do you do when you can do that? How do you use that trick? The great thing about the radically non-configurational languages in Australia is it drives field linguists nuts. Because if they hear an interesting sentence, they might ask for it to be repeated and it will come back in a different order. (laughs) As far as the, as far as the informant is concerned, it's the same sentence, but uh, the word order's been shuffled.
0: So, in that those would cases, drag. make sure you have a recording device on at all times. Yes.
1: <laughs> you should do that anyway, just from my field methods class. But that would drive me insane. Like, thank goodness I wasn't working on one of those languages.
2: So, one of the things you can do with these sort of free word order is to use it to distinguish foreground information from background information, and to distinguish old information from new information. So, for example, in languages like Hungarian and ancient Greek, new information tends to get plopped early in the sentence right in front of the verb, and all of the old news and, and stuff that you really only need to maybe clarify a few points Get shunted off to the end of the sentence. Or at least after the verb. Um, I forgot to check this. I believe Russian does this. So, Russian doesn't have a definite article. Mm -hmm. But you can tell from word order, sometimes, when something is definite or indefinite by where it occurs in the sentence. Because once something has been mentioned, it's old news and it becomes definite.
0: So... Basically, you're talking about most of these language would languages, I presume, would have extensive case morphology or some other kind of marking that would make this stuff clear so that you could shuffle the word order around.
2: Right. So, in ancient Greek and, say, Walpiri, which is a, a language of Australia, you do have case marking ancient greek also has agreement so you just you have case number and gender agreement so the ancient greek poets were really great about spreading things all across a sentence and in fact you can separate adjectives from the nouns they go with by up to 10 or 11 words and because of the case marking it's clear what goes with whom
1: oh wow mm. yeah that would drive me insane <laughs> Like, not if I learned it as first time, Like, if I had to learn it the hard way, that would drive me insane.
2: Yeah, it's a a stumbling block for people first learning Greek and probably for people trying to learn Walpiri (laughs) and Jawali in these languages. Um, But you don't, I mean, that's what's called dependent marking, right? You you, you mark the roles in the dependent. You can have a head marking language and still do the same thing assuming you have some sort of agreement. So, classical Nahuatl, in theory, has a non-configurational syntax. But because subject and object, if it's a transitive verb, must be marked on the verb, um, you usually know who's doing what to whom. It gets a little confusing if you have two third-person entities of the same animacy, then it can be a little confusing.
1: Like he hit him.
2: Right. Right. Or or, you know, the man hit the boy, something like that. The boy hit the man. We don't know. Um and, and in that case, Nahuatl falls back to a default word order and has a bunch of
0: particles in,
2: and syntax patterns to, to clarify things if if necessary.
0: So Nahuatl is pulled a step back from the pulled a couple steps back, actually, from the radically non-configurational. Well, you would think so. It, it's it's another one of those cases where you
2: have a mix. I would say it is radically non-configurational because you can disjoint phrases. It's normal in Nahuatl for numbers to appear on one end of the sentence, and the noun that it goes with to appear elsewhere. <laughs> um. Right, so this is an instance where salience and importance takes the role. So the number, if you're going to bother mentioning a number at all, it must be important. So it gets shunted to the front of the sentence. And the noun it goes with may be far at the end. So for almost a thousand years of classical Greek, it was perfectly normal in very banal Greek to say things like, big I saw yesterday the dog.
1: Oh, geez.
0: Oh, (laughs)
2: <laughs> and the the point is, is that you're communicating the size matters, or you could, you know, the rabbit dog, whatever. Whatever you put first is the most important salient thing.
1: The primacy effect.
2: Yes, right, right. So that's one thing you can do. Um, and you can choose, I mean, if you're inventing a language like this, you can choose different spectrum. Are you going to do importance? Definiteness. There's all sorts of things you can, you can choose to use there. And if you're feeling really crazy, you can do what Navajo did. Which is, word order in a transitive sentence depends on animacy. Oh. And a pretty complicated animacy hierarchy. So, the boy kicks the horse, And the horse kicks the boy will have the same word order because the boy has to be first. Ah. And you just change the verb to indicate who's doing what.
0: That's interesting. I have, uh, I may try to use this in a couple of languages. (laughs) But, um, so, you could really just mark anything with word order.
2: Uh, maybe. You know, I've not sat down and tried to think about every possible thing language marks and try to use word order to indicate that as well.
0: Well, I mean, not everything, but, um, things that are, I don't know. Importance looks like a very, seems like a very, um, good thing to use this for marking, but sure. the animacy, that's, it's sort of like a continuum. You but could do things with that.
1: Does it actually mark for animacy, or does it just agree with animacy?
2: No, you have to know. <laughs> you just have to know. There's no overt marking in the language except well, in this order. this is effect.
1: what I mean. Like, is the order marking the animacy, or is it just agreeing with the animacy so you you inherently know what it is, and you, you just put it in know the right it's... place
2: you, you inherently to know what agree
1: it is. with it, not to mark it?
2: with well, there's no agreement in the sense that...
1: Well, I don't mean like the marking... No, hold on. Let me say this right. <laughs> the ordering is not such so that you know which one it belongs to. It's It goes in that order because it belongs there. Right. Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay, okay yeah. Which Go ahead,
1: Bianca. It isn't marking as much as it agrees...
2: Well, I hesitate to say agreement because it's not like there's another word someplace that's indicating what's going on. It's just...
1: Well, I say it agrees because, you know, like, I've heard in whether or not it's agreed upon. You know, order in English is kind of like case marking. So, you know, putting it in the right order. Oh, sure. Yes. So, along the same idea.
2: A little bit. It's kind of a tricky thing. And and frankly, it it took linguists a while to realize this was going on. Um, And and all of the Athabascan languages do this to a certain degree. Navajo, which never ever does anything halfway, has eight levels of animacy. Yay. Which you just have to know. And a lot of kids don't know the animacy hierarchies as well as, as... people older than them do. My favorite thing, though, is that at the very top of the animacy hierarchy is adult humans and lightning.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. That is great. Right,
2: Lightning and adult humans. And then below that are kid, uh, very small kids and big animals and then different small animals. And animacy is kind of a misleading term here. It's more about agency, how much control do you have over your life, so you keep moving down, bugs, and then there's still a hierarchy within inanimate things, because things that move on their own, like water, has more animacy than a stick or yes. a conception. So, uh. that's my favorite. When I, The first time I, I read about that, I'm like, wow, that is the strangest thing I've ever seen word order used for.
1: Lightning is great. I'm still on about this.
2: Isn't that great? I, I, I enjoy that, too. I
1: mean, I love lightning, that's great. The order should be lightning, adults, <laughs> horses, smaller animals, bugs, children, bugs, rocks. No, rivers <laughs> and then rocks. Okay.
2: Yeah, so, when you live in a,
0: a flat desert, lightning is
2: <laughs> pretty important.
0: It sounds almost like an Eskimo snow myth uh, situation where, oh... for some reason they just believe that lightning is some sort of divine force that has a will of its own. I have never
2: heard it explained. I don't know why it's up there. It makes sense in sort of a funny kind of way to me that it's there, but I've never heard anyone try to... Think
1: of something as alive or powerful as lightning. Lightning is, like, up there.
0: Well, it also... It may have to do with... I'm sorry, this is the the dangerous speculation, but it may have to do with the fact that lightning is inherently unpredictable. You can't actually figure out what, with like water and even with like a human being, you could predict their actions to some degree. Lightning, if there's a thunderstorm, then you know that it's possible, but otherwise you can't predict it. Whoever, yeah, we we don't have access to the
2: mind of the first the person who first did this. Nonetheless, that it's there, I think, raises possibilities for people inventing languages. For some reason, conlangers like to create these highly hierarchical societies with kings and queens and blah blah blah, all of that. You know, you could use word order to mark respect.
1: I actually kind power. of do that already, ish, ish, ish. Well. Um, my second conlang, amyati, is VSO, but except in the case where, like, you're talking about yourself to someone else, you're not important, so you get kicked to the end, even if you're the subject. Mm -hmm. But it's cool because the verb agrees. Everyone's happy. Sure, sure. That's more pragmatic, Mm -hmm. so it's not the same thing at all. What am I talking about?
2: Well, like I said, this is a a spectrum, and I think... To the degree that a language lets you shunt things around without obliterating the, the meaning of the sentence, you've got at least a little bit of non-configurationality there. You can, you know, if you're inventing a language, there's all sorts of things you can do culturally. You can either put, you know, divinities or kings and queens and, or whatnot, or, you know, if you're inventing a language for super-intelligent insects, right, you can put the queen <laughs> at the top or, or whatever, whatever it is you're doing. There's a lot of possibilities for marking interesting things this way, especially if you're aiming at a, an alien language. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it doesn't have to be full blown one way or the other. I mean, it could just be pragmatic wise, like my story where, you know, pragmatically, if it's marked on the verb and you're talking about yourself to someone and they know, then you know, that information can go to the end. It's not important. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I I actually have a couple of things
0: from my own conlangs, is for one, I think I kind of accidentally built a little opportunity for this into Ayuruyo because it has extensive, well, not that extensive, but fairly clear case marking, and I have before Sort of rejiggered the word order to bring something more into focus, but right. I haven't really thought deeply about what kind of rules there are. Its its word order is actually fairly strict. Um, S O V. It's it's hev- it's heavily w- verb final. So it's it's only the two, it, the subject and object moving
2: sure well topicalization and and bringing focus are, are common situations where you expect things to get shifted around um lots of things move to the front um english and latin like to put focus at the end of a clause so that's a little bit different it doesn't all have to go at the start um what was i going to say the the marker of i mean in english we can move things to the front but then you get these weird cleft structures it is me who you know, it, rude. it is me who was rude to the king. Is, is the only way we can do this.
1: It was I who robbed your house. Yes, right. Yeah,
2: you have to come up with this 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 weird additional syntax. the The test of non configurationality is if you can do that without trusting. Yeah, that's yeah. the weird thing about classical Namwath is you can do it without trusting, but there's trusting available if you feel it's necessary to clarify things.
0: Yeah, that's actually something for the con- conlang I'm working on now, Pahran. It has, it has a tripartite system and um, the subject and object marking on the verb, and I'm thinking, right now I have a thing where you can, where there's actually a, a, you can front a topic, but there's a particle. I may just remove that particle and just let it be whenever you want to bring, to topicalize something, you just bring it to the front.
2: Sure, sure. I mean, because you have head marking, there's always that confusion. If you've got two entities of the same animacy doing something that it makes sense, like see or listen to or hang out with, who's the subject and who's the object can get confusing unless you have a rich gender system.
0: Yeah.
1: But even then, you'll run into the case where, oh, they're the same gender. Sure,
2: sure, sure, sure. I mean, there's always that problem in then you need some way to clear that up.
0: But you don't have to have it, you can just, you don't have to be radically non configurational. Oh. You, yeah. you can make it so that whole phrases have to move by the, Move yeah. together. That's, That's how a
1: NIOC is. Sure. Only because a whole phrase is one word. So, <laughs> you know, you can move the words wherever, well, ish. There's only a couple that don't, unhappy with that but for the most part you can move wherever word you want wherever and it'll be happy but you can't have radically different things because noun phrase is one word or phrase is one word
2: not be is the same the noun phrases are stuck together they really Mm -hmm. can't be broken up but the phrases themselves can be shunted around however you want but they have to stay intact because adjectives are attached to the nouns by a particle. There's no separate case marking or anything for adjectives.
1: Really, that's just like in yoke. Mm-hmm. except it's one word and then whatever. Um, um where were we? Also,
0: <laughs> like um, one paradigm in Japanese. The Japanese has like three different types of adjectives, though.
1: I think someone was telling me about that. Does it have like? Some sort of na thing.
0: Yes. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Apparently, they're like, "Oh, this is just like Japanese. It even uses na." And I was like, "Really? I've never learned Japanese."
0: Yeah, certain adjectives. Why would
1: they copy me? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>
0: and a and a do. That's right. Uh,
1: always, always.
0: Uh, I would, I would say the the way we've said it on the podcast before, but. I've said that enough. So, it's so
2: for people inventing a conlang that they're seeing as being used a lot for very literary purposes, and they want to have fun with elegant ways of producing sentences, radical non-configurationality is a lot of fun. Because you can just send words all over the place and you you know, and imagine this very complicated, sophisticated culture where it takes training to understand the poetry because you'd never know where the adjective is. Sort of like, I mean, that was the Greeks' whole thing and, and the Romans mm-hmm. to a certain degree. So there's a lot of fun to be had there.
1: Yeah, it definitely... If, I was going to say, it definitely works well for higher writing where you can definitely go insane because you can go back and be like, okay, okay, okay. You can definitely get more complicated in writing than you can speaking with this.
0: Yes. Yeah, this is a, yeah.
1: That's not to say you can't speak these things. It's just you can go a little bit crazier written. Like,
2: Hungarians do it every day. Yeah,
0: yeah this is a really good um, poetry thing.
2: It's good yes, for- yes, if your meter doesn't work, just move that adjective <laughs>
0: Yeah, if your meter doesn't work, or the rhyme scheme's not working, or...
1: Or don't write poetry. Right, so we have Bianca's
2: Bianca's hatred of poetry.
1: Now, some of the
0: early Indo-European
2: groups were very self... The the early poets were very self-conscious about this. So you can get in the Vedas three or four lines where the first word in each line agrees with the other first words in that line mom's fresh baked bread. And you'll have moms is the first word in the line, and then there's a bunch of other words, and then fresh, but because of the case marking, you know that it goes with that, right, baked bread. And you just do the whole thing. And you can play all sorts of interesting tricks with that.
0: Hmm.
2: If anything, I tend to overuse when I invent languages, I tend to overuse non-configurationality.
1: Is it that common cross-linguistically? or No. Yeah, because... I mean, you get little bits of movement, but not craziness.
2: Right. It's it's part of the spectrum. This this degree that we're talking about today is hot on the high end, or even the radically non-configurational, as yeah. usual.
0: I can see. Yeah. It's it's interesting, though, that you that um, ancient Greek had it, because you don't think of ancient Greek being particularly weird. I guess that's because neither neither me nor Bianca has studied it, so we don't think of it.
2: No, the way it's
0: taught, honestly...
1: I definitely think it's weird.
2: Ancient Greek is just as weird as classical Nahuatl or Dakota or something like that. It is so far... It's an Indo-European language, it's like English, but it is so far removed from what most of us are used to thinking about it's taught badly, right? It, especially the way it's taught, you get this very warm, comforting feel, and then the first time you're set loose on wild texts, it all just explodes. <laughs> and, you have to, and, you, and you have to right, perfectly, but I could, very boring author, I can grab a single page at random and show you all of these very weird word order effects, complex particle behavior, strange aspect things that have nothing to do with anything like English.
0: Hmm.
1: We should do an episode on aspects. Aspects kick my butt.
2: Oh. We could do well, that. Well,
1: well,
0: this whole discussion has also brought me brought up the idea that we really need to do a poetry episode and an episode <laughs> on animacy hierarchies.
1: Oh, that would be fun. I do enjoy the animacy thing just cuz there's a lot of different ways you can go with it.
0: Well, I kind and of many want to build ways. an animacy mm-hmm. hierarchy is one thing. <laughs> so, that's a selfish reason for covering it for me.
1: <laughs> like aspect? I guess I'm just so used to the weird conflation of aspect and tense that, well, it's just hard to separate them for me.
2: Well, we can talk about Navajo, which only has 12.
1: 12 what? Aspects. Oh, only 12.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, why don't we actually move on now to our featured conlang, which is a Yeti created by Karsten Becker. And there's, uh, it has this big red text thing. it's a draft everywhere, but it's just like there's a few sections that are missing that... But it's very well done.
2: Um, we actually had this in line to be talked about before, and and we're not talking about it just because he listened to our podcast about um, kinship systems and decided to <laughs> fix or or update his kinship system in his. He <laughs> oh to, yes,
0: we snap. Not- we were. That's 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 true. We had it in there before that before. I didn't even know until now that it was him, but uh, yeah, he had listened to episode 8 and said, oh, well, um, I'm going to revamp my kinship sense system. Uh, I guess there was actually a, a quite a bit of discussion. I'll talk more about that on, in feedback, but let's talk about this language here. Do you, Bianca, do you have any particular observations you have had when you were looking at it?
1: Um, hold on. Like I remember now, I read this like three days ago and since then everything has been a blur in my life. Um, I
2: recommended it because it's so highly glossed.
1: Yes, I... I- Like I was like, glosses. Finally, we have a language with glosses, and I was reading it, and I was happy. And then I forgot everything.
0: He 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 has glosses that even show stuff that's not there, like his zero cupola.
1: Yeah, even I don't do that, but you know, (laughs) I found it was interesting that he went through the effort of doing like a spectrogram for the things, and I was (laughs) like, you know, I do appreciate the effort. I wonder what programming uses because it doesn't look like Pratt. But, um, you know, it's your language. If you tell me that's how it is, I'm going to believe you. Um, The the grammar
2: is written with this conceit that he's documenting a real language, right? He he refers to the the work of other scholars.
1: And he does that throughout. Like the one thing you do in real linguistics that you don't do with conlangs is that you show negative examples like what doesn't work. And he does that throughout and, you know, which is kind of cool. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, I'll take your word for it. (laughs) So, but it's interesting because I don't think to add negative examples for that. But, you know, when you're learning, you have to make the mistakes to know it's wrong.
2: (laughs) Well, this is another book that has been – book? It's not quite that big. Um, Another grammar that has been influenced and, you know, name checks – um. What is the book called that everyone talks about? Describing
0: the, the the time- morphos- morphosyntactic. Morphos- sin- yes. Yeah, that I one. saw at least one reference to pain. Actually. Yeah, pain
1: he pain wrote pain. like a nice little thing saying this is based off of this la la la, la. and I think he put it at the bottom as a citation.
2: Yeah, it's in here yeah. somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he has he has real citations and fictional citations. It looks like it's <laughs> it it really cool. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see I'm I, I wasn't
1: enjoying that. the reduplication Just cause Normally it's kind of like Ugh to me But for some reason When I read it here it made me want to add it To one of my languages
0: Yeah it's just um He's It's not Used that much But he has reduplication Marking a couple of different things I like I like using reduplication for um, for diminutives. It seems really? like a very it seems I... like a very um, useful a very natural use for it.
1: For me, it felt the opposite. Like for me, it would be like the big whatever it's called, the augmentive, mm-hmm. be like double, double. It's Nothing double.
0: Do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, using it in the Hortative was was. pretty cool. That made sense.
0: Yeah, using it as Hortative.
1: And the Um, Imperative I liked as well. Just because I haven't seen that before. I'm sure someone else does it. But, you know, it was new. Yeah.
0: And (laughs) sometimes, like, he doesn't have, like, a whole lot of charts and stuff. I think he's... He has a lot of examples,
1: the pronouns were insane. I wish he combined it in such a way that you could see, cause not, they don't all, well, most of them are different in the plural. No. Well, ish. So, like, the second person isn't different in the singular and the plural. Ish. Except for the honorific, but whatever. I,
0: I and ein. Ein versus, I versus ein. And then, Second person is va vi and van and then the second honorific is vi and vi, it's not it doesn't yeah. change. But so they, well I guess and, it
1: will change except for the second person and the plural, so it, never mind. My argument is silly now.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> and vi the the pluralization is optional. I think it's just like you add N to pluralize.
1: No, there's something much more devious going on here.
0: And then... Oh, really? (laughs) That's kind of what I see at the first chart. Well,
1: I think that's what it is, because there's a little... Well, there's a good amount of irregularity going on with the pronouns. So, which is fairly... It's like they're derived from something, but then through use they become, you know,
0: their own little thing. Why would you ever need a first-person instrumental?
2: Um, Certain prepositions might take the instrumental by default.
0: Oh, that's that's true.
2: I mean, in natural languages that happens. Yeah, I would normally not put a human being in the instrumental case, but sometimes prepositions require them.
0: Yeah, okay, I see. But uh, it's... And he has a number of different I need to look at, are these genders that he has so many dif- has four different third person pronouns for? Or, yes. Okay. Yeah. Masculine, feminine, neuter,
2: and inanimate.
1: Inanimate.
2: I guess. Yeah. Um, is it inanimate or, uh You know, I looked at that but then, then didn't go track it down because I had a question about that. My fault. Uh-huh. I like that the language, is so prefix-heavy. Prefix-like Prefixing languages are a little bit unusual. Actually, they're kind of a lot unusual, but I just appreciate seeing them because after years and years and years of conlinking, I got sick of, sick of suffixing all the time. Yes. So, so prefixing makes me happy.
1: Prefixing. I am so tired of suffixing. You don't know. <laughs> um, like a,
0: I like a mix of prefixing and suffixing and even some infixing. How about circumfixes?
1: I do kind of know. Well, they're not really circumfixes. I don't so know what you do. call it. Circumfixes are the same thing on both ends, right?
0: No, um, it
1: circum- doesn't have to be, just, right? It
0: has to be something on either side. It doesn't a have prefix to be the same combination. Thing thing yeah, they so don't have to be the same.
1: What do you call it if it's like a particle, one at the beginning, one at the end?
2: I have and no idea. Okay. Um, Something Bianca thunk up.
0: I don't know, but I use that in Yelpach to mark quotations.
1: I use that in Yelpach to mark um, dependent clauses, but half the time, like, if you start with, you know, that man that did this, you just use the end marker, and then you go to the main clause. And then if you use, like, ran to the park... That, and then the man who did that. So there's like two different ones, and depending on where you put it, you'd use the first one or the second one. It's only if you're being fancy that you'd use both.
0: Uh Oh. Yeah. trying to look through more.
1: There's a lot to go through here, which is why I feel shameful for forgetting everything I thought to talk about. Oh, the script. I, I should
0: have looked through this more.
1: The script is great for this. Like, did you Where guys check it? out the script? I have seen it. It's on the website. It's gorgeous.
0: Is is it in the grammar anywhere? I'm looking. At no.
1: no, if you go back to the website, I was like, I had seen this before, and I just glossed over the grammar because I'm lazy. But the script, I thought, was fabulous. It has, um.
0: The resource.
1: Yeah, Let's I'll see. link you. You're gonna to have to do a lot of editing this episode.
0: That's okay. Yeah. Well, part yeah. of that was my fault because if you if you saw you heard some uh, Leo Laporte talking, because I accidentally opened up uh, the Twit live stream, but
1: <laughs> it has like a <laughs> nice script- Devonagari feel. <sighs> Uh, Devanagari or or what's the other one? Because it's not one or the other; it's no, kind of both.
2: It, to me, it just seems like your standard
1: sort of Java Indonesian. Yes,
0: it's not because like it. yeah, Devanagari. Yes. Uh, Devanagari has the the horizontal line on the top. It doesn't, well, do that. but um, I don't know. It has the De- same
1: like combination of consonants with the added um, vowels. Uh.
2: Well, there' a lot about y- Yeri reminds me of Austronesian languages, so things like Javanese, Indonesian. And this is exactly... It, the, the, the script really gives the feel of, I don't know, a simplified version slightly of Javanese or tie or something like that. Yeah. It's it's that cultural sphere that seems to be influencing language and has influenced the writing system, which is a pretty good example of its kind. Yes. I do not hate it.
1: It's really nice. Like it's and it's I'm very rare that I find a script that I'm yeah. like, yes, this is Same nice. Here. I've so seen this one see before
2: it- without realizing it was attached to this language. Yeah, I like the script.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I'm not always fond of Curly cues and scripts, but he does it well. And the, I think a lot of times, people who put curlicues cues in the scripts don't draw them properly, and they set look terrible. And he does it does it well.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: the really funky thing about this language to me is the uh, verb valency.
1: Tell us more.
2: Well, uh, just uh, active, the sort of transitivity issues are pretty funky. Um, I can't explain it all because, you know, (laughs) we've got this magnificent, well-glossed grammar and people who are curious can go look at it. But, you know, the difference between active and passive is is handled interestingly.
1: I'll
2: just Um, say
0: that. If you guys think this is... Uh, are are wondering anything about this this stuff he has a nearly complete grammar online that i'm going to link to and that will probably have much more information that we than we could possibly cover on the podcast oh yeah the and it's got lots of interesting stuff
2: much can be learned from it
0: yeah although and, there's a, um, there are a bunch of uh
2: Syntax chapters that are missing that I would like the entire voice and valence adjusting operations just have headings. I would really like to see those filled in.:
1: <sighs>
0: but, um, It's
1: so hard to write these things though. No, it, it takes is. It, it is. takes so much time. like I know I whine about people not having these, but like I feel it takes a long time to do.
0: Yeah. And um,
2: he talks about this, how earlier versions of the language were.
0: Do we want to talk about his kinship system since he was inspired by us to No, I just I just want to, to brag about our powerful
2: influence in the conlanging world. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: uh, it is much cleaned up after after he
2: redid it. Sure, and that's just because we made him think about it, not because we gave him great
0: ideas. Yeah, th- there was there was yeah, there's nothing really of us. He already had a great, um, detailed, complicated uh, system of um, kinship terms. It, it was not anything that was that we inspired, but the fact that he looked o- he looked over it again and cleaned it up a little bit made it more presentable. interesting. Was uh, after that. I'm not sure really which version is better, honestly.
1: I think <laughs> the second,
0: I think the revised version
2: is more usable. The first it's, one can, yeah, it's more usable, definitely. I
1: don't um, remember seeing either of these. Am I just going insane? You um, are. Well,
0: there's also the incremental versions that he posted on ZBB, which is probably mm. what you saw.
1: I don't check out the ZBB much.
0: The the only thing I really wish he would mark. Ego in English, if he's going to mark anything in English. <laughs> nothing nothing it, in there, unless I look down at the vocabulary, tells me that...
2: No, no, no. no, no. Is he's got one
0: now where film. Ego is bright red.
2: It's impossible to miss.
0: Yeah, that's true. It is it is bright red, but... Still, I don't know. But it's... Um,
2: so long as you're not colorblind, it's pretty clear where it starts. <laughs>
0: But there's a whole lot of Interesting Stuff about this language I think he must have been working on this For a long time
1: I think it was like a good I want to say five to nine years In that range Yeah And, and Since 2003 Which is I can't Oh, I'm so tired. This is Eight. pathetic. Eight, yes. Thank you.
2: So yeah. he is one of those people who starts a language and continues to revise it over time, whereas I produce sketches and throw them away.
1: Yes. Scrappers so and scrapper. loyalists.
2: Loyalists, right, which I'm definitely not.
1: I don't know what I am yet. That's but-
0: interesting. Well, I'm um I'm probably halfway in between. But Anyway, I, I just say uh, we could talk a lot about this language, especially if I actually read the grammar. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: um, I, it's, you know, include the link and, and people can go, look, I think there's there's just some really interesting stuff there, Yeah, Definitely especially if you are not familiar with Austronesian languages. He doesn't have like a full-on Austronesian alignment, which is good because those things were so popular for a while. It's like a fad for. There
1: were some people. nice alignment things going on there,
2: yeah,
1: which I didn't understand because, you know, I didn't have time to read it because I'm horrible. Uh,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I will include links in the show notes. Please come to the show notes to this episode, and I will, I will have the links for you guys to actually peruse this language for yourself because I think it's. Very valuable. i think I'm going to take a, a closer look at it after the episode. Uh, I had a busy week. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Me too.
0: Yeah. So, why don't we move on to feedback?
1: Yay, feedback!
0: Bianca's favorite segment. Uh, first, I, I want to It go, is. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's there was some more feedback about. The kinship systems, but first I want to do some dues and thank uh, Dirk Elzinga for um, commenting on the same episode about his language. And um, I'm not going to read this email because it's really, really long. But basically, the first thing is he. Corrects my correction of the pronunciation. <laughs> it's actually. How let me see if I can do it. Tila, Tiwa. Yeah. I have trouble with that. It's. The ooh sound is tough. Yeah. It's a. That's a high central vowel.
2: It's a little I with a bar through it. <laughs> For those people who know IPA.
0: It's called uh. a bar I.
2: Yep, bar I.
0: Yeah. Um, and it has for some, I don't know why I did this but apparently in my show in the show notes I wrote v in there it's not it's actually beta it's the bilabial fricative v.
1: bilabial Tuva.
0: Tuva. yeah Tuva. and um he talked about okay the direct inverse Thing that we're, we were so en- enamored with was is from Algonkin, and he had borrowed for some a lot of other things, uh, Salishan, and um, he said he didn't actually um, do much Uto-Aztecan except for he u- he except for the sound wrote, system. Yeah,
1: Yeah, he said it was basically the phonology.
0: Yeah, which is based on Shoshone, okay, mostly, and uh, and he said his 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 weird romanization is actually inspired by those languages. So that makes sense, especially with his conceit of this being a real language that um, that was discovered by a missionary. Of course, he would use the conventions that uh, exist. Um, but I'll, I'll put this whole email in the show notes too. There's lots of stuff in the show notes this episode. Yes. And, um,
2: I'm hoping that he, he says that, so it's a little bit sad that this language is dormant and it's been superseded by a new one whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. <laughs> um.
1: Quidditch. No. <coughs>
2: Quidditch. For that. What's interesting is I have abandoned, uh, quoting, I have abandoned the traditional division between noun and verb and have only one part of speech predicate. So this is really interesting to me because there are a small number of languages do this, and I would love to see how someone else approaches that. Because the languages that do do this, like uh, the Wakashan languages, are so hard. <laughs> and hard to find grammars of. It would be nice to have a linguist invent a language that does this, and then I can peruse and hopefully try to understand.
0: Moving on from that, the other big feedback that I wanted, this is more bragging about our
1: influence,
0: but (laughs) somebody listened to Episode 8 again, and they decided they're going to use a skin system. And it's not... Um, there was just a, a discussion on ZBB about this, and I think there was also a discussion on the fa- on the Conlang Facebook group, but, yeah, he actually has three skins, which, um, a, from what I saw on Wikipedia, there are, the, uh, examples they give are four skins and eight skins. It's, I'm not sure how well three skins actually works.
2: Yeah, I, I saw people trying to come up with ways to make it work and not have horrible inbreeding.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, if, if, if you use that to place the same um, marriage constraints, I, I, honestly, those things make my head spin a little bit anyway. <laughs> if I, did, I didn't feel like sitting d- down and drawing um, reproduction charts. So I'm gonna let people smarter than me tackle that problem. But it was an interesting IT. I'm glad that someone said, Hey, let's just do this differently.
0: Mm-hmm. This
2: is what conlingers do.
0: Yes. Yeah, and I think I think what he's gonna use it for is not for the society at large, but for a royal family. Oh. Is, okay. Um
2: Sure. They they sure. seem to worry less about inbreeding.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I, that would work for a royal family in that there's only so many of them.
0: Maybe only one... Maybe it's a fairly big family, like extended family that can... Um, I think somebody was saying that they wanted to, to do a royal family with a skin system. I think if you had like an... ex. Uh, Sort of the extended royal family, and then only a certain skin actually got to be king. And then another was a steward, and another was Oh, some other.
1: Uh, that's kind of interesting, I
0: like that. I don't know if that's his idea.
1: So more like a caste type. Well, it's not really a caste if you're still royalty, but it's a I way to ensure
2: what... ensure a political balance. That's a clever trick. I could yes. well, know maybe that could happen naturally. I don't know. Maybe
1: I don't know either. Yeah.
0: That that sounds that would sound like an interesting idea to do it that way for me. I don't know if that's that was his intention, but I had heard that there was something about a royal family going to be involved in this. So
2: that would make the most complicated Magna Carta ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, paragraph after paragraph of latin and then five pages of charts. <laughs> <laughs> So five out twelve years from now, only this guy can become king, and then ten years after that, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine
0: also the issues when uh, somebody can't produce an heir, because when the king can't produce an heir, there's not that necessarily that much. There's a bo- in issues, the normal but- course
2: of things, you would expect all the offspring of parents to fit into the same skin.
0: Yeah. So so long as you've
2: had siblings. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, coming up with a complicated three skin system does not change that mechanics. I wouldn't think.
1: Well, I yeah. thought it was well, going to depend on the gender of the sibling as well, and then just <laughs> get all sorts of crazy. But because I skimmed over the thread as well, but. It, Like you, it does make my head spin, and I don't really know much about it, so.
2: Once again, the Conlangary Podcast.
1: Bringing you information with no control over it at all. (laughs) Just
2: And inspire people to ever greater heights of linguistiness.
0: (laughs) We apologize for... No, we don't.
1: (laughs) I don't. Uh, Do you see me apologizing for any of the crap I say? No.
0: <laughs> well, I apologize for the fact that uh two um very young children were visiting and I had to help take care of them. So I was not as prepared as I usually am, which is often not enough anyway.
1: I don't apologize for going to an awesome party yesterday, and then not sleeping, and then going to work. <laughs>
0: uh, but So I just want to
2: repeat my call. If, if anything we say makes you do something different, or decide to do something different in your conlang, let us know. It tell makes us, us happy.
1: It yeah. makes us so yeah. happy.
2: Or even tell us what you did different. That would be even better.
0: Yeah. You
1: can even just, yeah. Send us a message.
0: Yeah, Another couple of housekeeping things before we go. I have uh, <laughs> created a translation challenge thread on the ZBB. Um, every episode you hear me say, welcome to conlangry the podcast about constructed languages and people who create them. Um, if you translate that and send it to me, if you send it to me as a phonetic transcription, I'll read it out, but I'll only read to Welcome to Con Langry" because I tend to peter out after that. Oh, I'm going to have to do this now. Yeah, when reading Strange Sounds. But if you actually send me an MP3, I'll just play the MP3, and I'll stick that onto the top of the show. You may have heard it at the top of Episode ten, and at the top of this episode, because I hadn't had episode. I still don't have episode ten ed- edited at the point we're recording.
1: All right, can I do this? Can I make you say something in my Or Would that be cheating? Um, no.
0: You should do one. You you can do it. Um, I would prefer if you did a a recording.
1: Well. Surely, I could just read it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I may actually put my own comments in. I don't know. <laughs> this is the more, this more is the merrier for everybody. This is not. This is not like our um, featured languages, where we avoid our own languages. That's true. But uh, yeah, in in Yalk or in one of your other languages, that's cool. But. Everybody who's doing it, and then the last that last housekeeping thing. I just want to say this because I'm saying this. We usually don't plan ahead on our episodes very far, but I'm going to say now, episode thirteen. I'm planning to make our taboo vocabulary episode, aka you know, vo- profanity, bad words, whatever. And that one, you'll know when it comes up uh, if you're on iTunes because it will have a, it will probably have an explicit tag on it, and there will probably be some sort of warning at the top of the show. But I want to say that we're on episode 11 right now, so what that's two weeks Tw- away is that.
1: Yay! I won't get censored. Yes, we won't have to bleep Bianca.
0: Yes. And we can have Torko on, and we won't have to bleep him. <laughs> if for Is it really
1: purpose. just me and him who curse on here? That's sad.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was. It was you and him. Will doesn't.
1: Fucking censorship.
0: <laughs>
2: I have All right, to censor so that's that episode anyway. thirteen. So everyone's warned now.
0: Yeah. So, uh, and I'll say that at the end of episode twelve. Uh, Also, and then you will have a warning at the top of the show. I'm going to put as much warning as possible on this in case there are people who, I don't know, maybe not necessarily you're prudish about it, but like if you listen to the podcast out loud when there's kids around, you might want to instead put your headphones in. So that's coming up in a couple weeks but in the meantime happy conlanging see ya thank you for listening to conlangery you can find all our episodes and show notes as well as subscribe to our iTunes or RSS feeds through conlangery.conlang.org you can also like our Facebook page or follow at Con Langery on Twitter. If you would like to contact us with corrections, comments, questions, or suggestions, or even suggest your own ConLang as a feature, please email ConLangery at gmail.com or call into our new voicemail line 304-873-6281. We also have a handy suggestions form on our site. Our theme music was created by Xander Medeus.